Labor Day, a time for family and friends, the end of summer. But in Jackson, Mississippi, people aren't celebrating. There's a water crisis. It's been building for years. 110,000 people without drinking water in America. It's been a week since Jackson, Mississippi's water treatment plant began to fail, but the city's had problems with drinking water for a while now. There was damage to the city's pumps this summer, and heavy rains led the nearby Pearl River to flood. People were warned to boil their water as far back as July. Not only are thousands of residents unable to drink from their tap or take a shower, they don't even have enough to flush a toilet. And there isn't enough in the city to fight a fire either. We live on a fallen earth, but Christians are waiting for a city whose builder is God, and there will be no problems inside its walls. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. Here it is, Labor Day Monday, and we're in a new series this week that's called The Power Behind Tolkien. On tomorrow's program, we'll be talking with a scholar who knows the life of Tolkien very well. But today on Labor Day, I wanted to return to an interview we did a few years back with another scholar who's read everything C.S. Lewis ever wrote. Of course, the Lord used the friendship of J.R.R. Tolkien to lead Lewis to Christ. And no doubt Lewis was one of the most significant atheist-turned-Christians of the last century. His career as an Oxford Don was in jeopardy because of his faith in Christ, and yet he kept on writing and speaking. In a few minutes, we'll be joined from Oxford by Dr. Alistair McGrath, who has studied the life of Lewis. We need to remember that Lewis is a great Christian apologist, and in many ways, one of the reasons that he's such a good apologist is that he used to be an atheist. He knew what atheists think, and he was able to refute the own arguments he used to defend his own atheism. That's Alistair McGrath. He'll be back with us in just a moment to share more on the life of C.S. Lewis. And after the program, I'd like to send you the New York Times best-selling book or the audio version book called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War by Joseph Leconte. Both Lewis and Tolkien fought in the trenches of World War I. They saw friends and strangers die every day. They each felt the darkness and despair closing in around them. Yet the Great War was used by the Lord to draw them closer to Christ. So, for your gift on this Labor Day to the ministry, I'd like to send you the book in either paperback or audio. Find out more by going to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's open the program with Sidewalk Prophets to Live as Christ. If I rise... Let me rise on you Not on all of my successes My esteem or my pursuits If I lose Let me lose my life Cause if I belong to Jesus The flesh is crucified For me to live is Christ For me to live is Christ For me to live is Christ To die is gain 
Christ to die is gain. Echoing the words of the Apostle Paul from Philippians, that was the sidewalk prophets opening this haven today here on Labor Day. I'm Charles Morrison. Thanks so much for joining me. I want us to go now to Oxford, England. I want you to hear an interview I did with Dr. Alistair McGrath a few years back. He wrote a great biography on the life of C.S. Lewis, and it's a real pleasure for me to share this with you once again. Alistair, thank you for joining me again here today on Haven Today. Charles, it's my pleasure. Why don't you tell us who was C.S. Lewis and kind of give us the narrative of his life? Well, C.S. Lewis, I think, is one of the greatest literary figures of the 20th century. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. The books sell very well. But, of course, the movies have opened Lewis up to a new generation. And Lewis began as an atheist. I think it's one of the most interesting things about him. People tend to forget that this guy who we remember as a great writer, a great Christian apologist, really began as someone who didn't like God at all. Lewis grew up and reacted against God. He fought in the First World War and said, where's God in the midst of all the suffering and then he went up to Oxford and at Oxford he began to began to think 
things through all over again and began to realize that the case for God was compelling. And so Lewis became, in his own words, the most reluctant convert in all England. So he's a fascinating guy. That's really it in a nutshell, uh, of course. But let's drill a little bit deeper into his background. He actually fought in World War One. He was in the trenches. But it's been said that uh, the death of his mother back in uh, Ireland affected him more than fighting in uh, the Great War, World War I. What do you think? I think the death of Lewis's mother in August 1908 really shattered the security of his life. And we need to remember that Lewis wasn't even 10 years old at the time. And his mother was the basis of the family life. She was the one who held everything together. And when his mother died so slowly and painfully from cancer, Lewis really felt his life had just fallen to bits. And in some ways, you know, the trauma Lewis experienced in the First World War decade later, I think it was less than this terrible experience he had of his mother's death when he was so young. Mm. Alistair, there is this term reluctant prophet, which you use uh, in referring to him. He really wasn't a Christian. Uh, He was an atheist, as I recall. And uh, just tell us a little bit more about how he became a believer in Christ in an environment where there weren't many believers, Oxford University. Well, Oxford during the 1920s was quite hostile to Christianity. And Lewis Lewis really began to demonstrate he was incredibly intelligent and a very able scholar indeed. But although Lewis went up to Oxford in 1919 as an atheist, he, he began to realize that he hadn't sorted everything out. And he began to reflect and reconsider. And by the mid-1920s, Lewis was clearly beginning to realize that things weren't quite as straightforward as he thought. And we find Lewis, in effect, having this decisive conversion experience, maybe in 1929, I think in 1930, where basically he realized that he could no longer deny the existence of God, and he embraced God in a a moment of decision, which really was a complete turning point in his life. And I think that's very important because we need to remember that Lewis is a great Christian apologist. And in many ways, one of the reasons that he's such a good apologist is that he used to be an atheist. He knew what atheists think, and he was able to refute the own arguments he used to defend his own atheism. So I think he's a remarkable case of somebody whose conversion set up his career as a Christian apologist. Mm. We should talk about his friendship with Tolkien of uh, Lord of the Rings fame. Tolkien was a believer, was a Christian, and had a, a tremendous impact, didn't he, on, on Lewis coming to faith in Christ? Well, J.R.R. Tolkien became one of Lewis's closest friends. They first met in 1925, and they began to realize they had interests in common. But Lewis was suspicious of Tolkien. Tolkien was a Christian. Lewis was not. Mm. And the mm. two men began to talk about Christian things. And actually, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Tolkien may have been the person who moved Lewis from simply believing in God to believing in Christianity. And I think Tolkien in many ways has to be singled out as a person who had a decisive influence on Lewis's spiritual growth. And of course, Lewis helped Tolkien as well. Lewis began to read some of the stuff that Tolkien was writing, which we now know as the Lord of the Rings, and said, this is great stuff. You need to keep going with this. You need to publish this. And the result was that masterpiece that we remember as the Lord of the Rings. 
Mm. And Lewis himself gave us a little glimpse in his own writing of when he did meet Jesus, didn't he? Yes, he does. In in his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, he talks about being driven to Whipsnade Zoo. And when he began the journey, he didn't really think Jesus was the son of God. When he ended the journey, he did. And Lewis says, look, I, I can't quite work out what happened, but it's as if things fell into place. And Lewis began to realize that the Christian way of looking at things made made perfect sense, that this was the way in which he could look at the world and make sense of it and also make sense of himself. And so in many ways, Lewis began to realize that Christianity was something that really helped him to figure out what the world was all about, what his own life was all about. And all the pieces began to fall to fall together, really, in that journey from Oxford to Whipsnade Zoo. If you just joined us, you're listening to Dr. Alistair McGrath. I guess I'm looking at today, and even though Lewis has been gone for 50 years, uh, he started writing screw tape letters in the 40s. He wrote Mere Christianity coming out of conversations on the BBC in, in World War II. Do you think he's just as relevant today as when he first wrote and spoke? I think Lewis speaks very powerfully to us today. He he says some very good things, but he also says them very well. And for me, Lewis really retains so much of his power. And that's partly because Lewis is really very good. But I think it's also partly because there's nobody really who's emerged to, to take Lewis's place. So I think that Lewis is good for a number of reasons. I think one point to make particularly, I think, is that Lewis is very good at showing how Christianity engages with the imagination. Yes, Christianity makes sense of things, it appeals to the reason, but Lewis is able to show, particularly through the Chronicles of Narnia, how the Christian way of looking at things captivates the imagination. It makes you say, my goodness, that is so exciting. And Lewis, I think, does that far better than many more recent writers. So I very much hope that one day someone will come along who's better than Lewis. But for the moment, we've got Lewis, and I'm very happy about that. Mm. You know, I don't want to spend all our time just praising a human being here. He had, uh, while he was brilliant, uh, while he was an Oxford Don at the end of his life, he was a Cambridge uh, professor for a couple of years. He didn't have an easy life, did he? Well, Lewis wasn't just a writer. He was a human being who had friends, who had relationships, and who, of course, had family. And with the death of his mother, I think it's fair to say his brother, Warren, really became very, very important to him. And in the 1930s, Lewis managed to arrange for his brother to to join him at Lewis's home in Oxford. So, in effect, they recreated the the old family in Lewis's home. Mm. And at that time, Lewis was living with Mrs. Moore. Now, Mrs. Moore is a complicated figure. We don't really understand that relationship between Lewis and Mrs. Moore, but she was the mother of one of Lewis's closest friends who was killed in the First World War. And later in life, Lewis began to develop other relationships. And the most important of these, of course, is Joy Davidman, who eventually married. And Lewis, I think, really didn't didn't have any aspirations to get married, but actually fell in love with Joy Davidman. And I think he fell in love especially with Joy Davidman when it became clear that she had developed cancer. Mm. And, you know, it may be there's a throwback here to his mother dying from cancer in 1908. It may be that realizing he was going to lose Joy through cancer made Lewis love her all the more. So certainly Mm. that's a very significant relationship 
leadership in the later Lewis's life in the late 1950s. And there's no doubt that Joy's death from cancer in 1960 devastated Lewis and actually led to him writing to what I think is one of his best books. It's a book called A Grief Observed Mm -hmm. that appeared in 1961. Hmm. It It is true. The man was certainly human. And there was another side. I remember being at his church once and someone who was there at the time uh, when he was alive told me that he and his brother Warney were quite shy and uh, he was becoming more famous. Uh, he didn't want the attention he was receiving. And so they would slip out before the final prayer for fear that some brash American would be wanting to come up to them and ask for an autograph or something. What was he really like as a human being? Well, he was slightly shy, not with his friends. He he was a brash, he was a jovial figure with people he knew well. But with outsiders, Lewis did come across as being slightly withdrawn, even shy. And certainly that experience at church, which you've mentioned, which is well backed up by evidence, you know, illustrates that very well. Lewis, Lewis was slightly withdrawn with people who he didn't know. And he was also reluctant about fame. I think that Lewis was taken by surprise by the extent to which his books were read and valued. And he found it a little bit difficult to cope with the fame. And I think one of the things I see in some of Lewis's letters is this feeling, look, I'm becoming famous. I'm becoming important. I can't cope with this. It's going to damage me as a person. I think that's an important insight. Lewis was realizing that fame casts a shadow over people. And sometimes they can't actually cope with their celebrity status. And actually, I think Lewis coped quite well with it, whereas yes. some of those who've also experienced fame, I think, have been you know, torn apart by it. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today, and uh, we're on with Dr. Alistair McGrath. He's coming to us from Oxford, England, and thank you so much for joining us on the program. And Alistair, let's talk about the war, World War II. Here was Churchill. I was just reading uh, a new biography that came out on Churchill, the William Manchester final volume. And Churchill was not a religious man. And yet he saw the value of religion and knew that the people needed their Christian faith in England to get them through the war. Lewis took it even another step forward, though, because he was a a believer in Christ. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about his writing and and how he encouraged people uh, in their faith in the war. Well, the Second World War in England was was very, very difficult. For a start, for several years, Britain was struggling on its own, and people began to think, maybe we're going to lose this war. So there was a sense of deep anxiety, and Churchill certainly realized that. And the BBC asked Lewis to be, in effect, the voice of faith for the nation, to speak on issues of faith. And Lewis actually rose to that challenge very, very well. He had a Mm. beautiful speaking voice. He was able to communicate very, very effectively. And he reassured people. He unpacked Christianity and showed its relevance during those dark days of the war. And certainly, I think Lewis began to emerge as one of the best known voices in England. He explained what Christianity was. He showed why it mattered. He made connections with life. And certainly, Lewis was one. One of those people who helped England to keep going during those very dark years at the beginning of the Second World War. And of course, we know uh, those those lectures, those uh, talks on the BBC went on to become the book Mere Christianity. And the Lord has used that book in a lot of lives of a lot of people to lead them to faith, hasn't he? 
Yes, indeed. I mean, The Mere Christianity, I think, is one of Lewis's best books. And as you rightly said, it's basically a revision, a very light revision of those wartime talks. And, you know, maybe things have changed a bit, but the power of that book remains. When you read Mere Christianity, you begin to realize something of both Lewis's ability to explain things, to to captivate the imagination of his audience, but also, of course, and maybe more importantly, the immense riches of the Christian faith itself. And it's no wonder that book has sold so well and indeed still remains one of the books that most Christians regard as the best expression of the Christian faith. Mm. Alistair, thank you so much for joining me here in the program today. Charles, it's been a very great pleasure and it's a great joy to talk about Lewis. Oh, I was Build my life upon all this world reveals and wars to own all I want thought gain I have counted lost spent and worthless now compared to That's Graham Kendrick, a Christian musician in England, knowing you, Jesus. 
here on A Haven Today on a Holiday. I'm so glad you could join me and Alistair McGrath here on Labor Day. If you'd like to learn more about Lewis and his friend J.R.R. Tolkien, then let me recommend that you read the New York Times best-selling book called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. It's written by Dr. Joseph LeConte. He'll be with us on the program tomorrow. He's really the first person I've heard who showed how the catastrophic experience of the Great War, World War I, and then the great pandemic that followed, shaped their lives and their faith and creativity. It happened to C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien. This book is a great read and will remind you that the Lord truly does work all things together for good for his people, even in the horrors of war. Those two men fought in the trenches of Europe. They saw friends and countrymen die. But Joseph LeConte knows how both Tolkien and Lewis found faith, friendship, and heroism, despite the gloom and darkness all around them. My prayer is that this book, whether the audio version or in printed paperback, will turn your eyes off the events of today and towards a stronger faith in Jesus Christ. So please call us right now and ask for The Hobbit, The Wardrobe, and The Great War. The number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. It's easier to just say, I want The Hobbit book. Or find out more by going to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have copies of Comeback Barbara that we offered last week, written by a former prodigal, along with her late father, I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll hear the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If there's one thing that's most important when it comes to our life before the Lord, what would it be? Is it obedience? Is it submission? Is it a right view of the church and politics? The Apostle Paul had an idea. He said in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. He didn't say the others aren't important. Of course they are. Faith unites us to Christ. Help points us toward his return. But love is most important. Why? Our lives are grounded on Christ's immeasurable love. And by our love for each other, the world will know who we are. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.